Wildly Elegant, the podcast. I'm your host, Nicole. I'm joined by my producer, aka my awesome possum dog. His name is Caffrey. He'll be joining us and hopefully not speaking up too much, but no guarantees there. He tends to bark at people in the hallway, especially children running up and down the hall. So some of you may know me from my blog of the same name, Wildly Elegant. I've been blogging since this summer, and one of the things I've wanted to do is try podcasting. I did a couple of podcasts with my friends who do Mildly Awkward. They're a couple of counseling students who talk about life in their 20s. You should definitely check it out if you haven't, and you can find the link to their podcast in my show notes. So what are we even doing here? Well, I started Wildly Elegant back in law school with some friends, And the idea formed from wanting to encourage women to use their God-given gifts to help others. Since then, it has evolved a bit because we all graduated law school, went different ways. One of us is in the process of becoming a nun. Another happens to be one of those counseling students I mentioned over at Mildly Awkward. By the way, I did help with that name. Super proud of that. Um, And then I think the other person is currently in Texas, and I landed in Arkansas for two years, so that project died. But now I'm back in Minnesota, and I wanted to start writing again, so I started Wildly Elegant, my own blog. And then I got the itch to try podcasting, and I sort of put it off. You know, it was kind of a Scary idea. It seemed like a lot of work editing, blah, blah, blah. And then this weekend, or last weekend at this point, I went to something called Christy Rice Business Boutique, where I heard Pat Flynn talk about podcasting and Christy Wright say, do it even if you're scared. So here you go, you guys. I'm doing it even though I'm scared. Today, I thought I should probably take a moment to tell you a little bit about myself. I am an attorney by trade. I work in the corporate world, which is a lot of men and me. I really love the business side of things, and I love helping small businesses grow. And so part of that is also helping women um, learn how to run businesses because shocker of all shocks, there aren't as many, but women are awesome at running businesses. So we need to equip women to do so. Uh, Before I was a full-fledged lawyer, I went to law school, and before that, I worked at a process-serving company. Maybe you're wondering, what is a process-serving company? Well, I'm so glad you asked. Process-serving company is a place that basically starts the lawsuits. Not your most exciting place, although one time we had somebody point a gun at one of our process servers, and another time, someone backed their horse's butt into a person's car window. So, some fun things happen there. Alright, so, you know that moment in interviews where the interviewer says, so tell me about yourself, and you're like, why should I tell you about myself? Because what was the point of my resume except to tell you about myself? I hate that point. I can never think of anything, and... One time it was asked to me and I said, I once owned a turkey. I don't think that's what they were looking for. I didn't get the job. I don't recommend choosing that. 
Maybe you could have gone with, oh, I grew up on a hobby farm and that taught me blah, blah, blah. So the point being, I was asking myself before this, well, what do you say when they ask you about yourself and what? how do you introduce yourself on a podcast? I don't really know, but we'll work on it. So anyway, I was looking up some questions that you can ask people, you know, to get the conversation started and it's a whole darn list full of things and I decided to ask myself and my listeners what is your favorite childhood memory? I kind of had to rack my brain for that because I do have a lot of good childhood memories. Some memories are of torturing my siblings. My dad knows exactly what I'm thinking right now. And he will never forgive my brother and me for what we did to my sister who has arthritis. I was racking my brain and I came up with one that I am currently can't, I can't remember now. So that's great. Oh, wait, no, it came to me. Okay, so when I was young, we used to play this game called Venus Flytrap. We turn off all the lights in the house and we played this at my uh, old house. It was like my, I don't know, the place where I grew up on the hobby farm. And we, it had, like, you could run all the way around, like through the living room, through the dining room. And the point being, we would shut off all the lights and then my dad would be the Venus flytrap and we'd have to like sneak through the house and try to get, I don't even know. We did, I don't think we even had a home base or anything. It was basically like run around and try not to get caught by dad in the dark. It was really fun. It got pretty wild. Dogs joined in. It was a great ruckus. So that's one of my favorite childhood memories. We still talk about it to this day. And now that there are nieces and nephews in the picture, we're thinking, man, we got to revive the Venus flytrap. Also, it kind of gets scary when it's actually dark out. And one time I stubbed my toe so bad we had to like wrap it up. It was really bad. Anyway, so I'd love it if you could send in some of your childhood memories or just post them on Facebook or wherever I decide to engage my readers. I have not thought about that yet. So today, I want to discuss how you can become confident and stop comparing yourself to other people at work. I think it's safe to say that we women have a tendency to compare ourselves to other people. This is not news. We've all heard about this. So I think the first thing we need to realize is we just really got to stop comparing ourselves to other women. And it's easier said than done. But I think that the key to this is becoming confident in who you are and who you've been made to be. We're all very much individuals. We've been made distinctly with different gifts. So my first thing I want to talk about is just be getting comfortable with your own skin. I think as women, we all know that starting in middle school is just all downhill from there. I mean, we just, it's just rough. Let's just say that. I think we know that. And you look at other people and you think, gosh, she's super skinny and she's so much more athletic than me. Or, man, she can rock those high heels. Well, we really need to just stop that and decide who we want to be for ourselves because we're all beautiful in how we're made. One of the ways that I've been doing that is by deciding that I want to dress 
the way I want to dress for work. Okay, what do I mean by that? Because clearly I can't wander in in spandex and like a sweatshirt, which honestly that'd be kind of nice, although I don't actually own any spandex. But anyway, I would see these women around work and they just look put together, just to the T. In my first year at my last law firm, one of the first associate meetings was done by taking us to Macy's and we got lectured about what to wear at work. It was so easy for the guys. It was white shirt, you might wear a different color tie, black or blue suits. Okay, then we get to the women. And I swear, the way they wanted us to dress was extremely matronly. I don't own sweaters like that. And I just couldn't even handle it. Neither could the other ladies, by the way. So not your best experience. And it not like it made us self-conscious or anything, but come on. Yeah. So this time around, when I started a new law firm, I decided that I would set aside a chunk of money in my budget and I would go shopping. I chose a few different places. I chose the outlets because come on, who doesn't want to save money? Egan and Albertville. But then what I did that I loved and I'm still trying not to continue too much is I tried a few, um, clothing services. So what they do is, well, okay. So for example, who's heard of stitch fix? Love it. They send you five items in a box. You schedule when they arrive and then you get to try them on at home. It's a $20 styling fee. And if you purchase any of the items, the $20 styling fee goes towards that. If you purchase all the items, you get 25% off. However, it can start to get pricey. So you got to be careful here. But I've got work pants, nice shirts, um, awesome jewelry, and I actually just had a stitch fix arrive this week. But I was much more controlled, and I only kept one shirt, which I really like. I wanted those pants so bad, you guys, but I'm paying off debt, and I was like, uh-uh, you're not doing this, Nicole. So it's actually in the mail right now, going back, and I can't change my mind, so that's good. You just send back whatever you don't want, and it's in the U.S. mail. So I just gave it to my apartment front desk, and they'll give it to the mail guy. Okay, so there's an app for that, as there is with everything, and you can kind of, like, tell them what your body type is, and you can tell them what you like to wear, and I just I found that my stylist really got me and sent me great things that fit my body type. And by the way, I didn't even know that my body type existed, I mean, hypothetically, I knew I was a body type, but I didn't realize it had a name. So you really just need to learn what you can wear that you're comfortable in and not worry about what other women are wearing. We are, we're different and who cares? And by the way, don't judge what other women are wearing at the workplace. Here's my next point. Don't worry about having a particular personality. We all are different. There's so many personality types. You don't have to be the same one. Because how annoying would it be to have all these super peppy women in the workplace? So, story time, right? I worked somewhere and we had a new woman coming on and I hadn't met her yet. One of my coworkers had met her. And she was describing her to me and she said, Oh, she's peppy. Peppier than you. I was like, what the crap? What do you mean by peppier than me? I mean, 
granted, I get it. I'm not always super peppy. I mean, that's exhausting. Holy crap. But why would you say that? Because before she even entered the workplace, I was comparing myself to her. I'm sorry, I was never a cheerleader and I'm not a cheerleader now. And maybe I'm more serious than the person down the hall. But dang it, I get my work done. And I do it darn well. So you don't have to be a particular personality. And women are not required to be peppy and be a cheerleader. And we don't have to smile all the time. I don't recall ever hearing a man being told to smile. Point number three. You need to learn what lifestyle works for you. What do I mean by that? I maybe hypothetically work with someone who has been said to bill, bill, not work, bill 14 hours a day. That means she can bill clients. She's not just working 14 hours a day. She probably is working 16 hours a day and billing 14. She has been known to be in the office for 48 hours straight. Very proud of this. When I heard this, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I think I might fail here if you expect that because I sleep like nine or 10 hours a night. I don't think there's any time left to work 14 hours, right? Okay, you get 10 hours of sleep. So then I'm supposed to be working I mean, not just working, building the other 14, when am I supposed to eat? And like my dog, he has to go outside. I get home and it's just like crazy down here. So that might work for her. I'm happy if she can get four hours of sleep. Slightly jealous because, I mean, I love sleeping, don't get me wrong, but it would be nice to have some extra hours. Okay, you just have to learn about yourself. Like how many hours of sleep do you have to get a night to actually function as a polite human being where people aren't afraid you're going to chew their head off and then you also have to consider where do you get your energy I don't get my energy at work FYI I get home and I basically feed myself feed my dog take him out and then we kind of just lay on the couch we're very similar we just snuggle. It's all good. It's Netflix. It's podcasts. Dave Rambley. His voice lulls me to sleep. Good stuff, that. So I'm not like a super, super high energy person. And I have learned to accept that. Whatever. I get a lot of energy by spending time with my niece and nephew. By being with my family. By going for a walk. By just completely unwinding. You make me work seven days straight and I will bite your head off. You don't want to be around me. So you need to learn what is your self-care, what is your good balance, and don't care about what the other person does down the hall because she's completely wired differently than you. The other thing we need to do, we need to stay away from gossip. Oh my gosh. And this includes men. Men gossip. Do not even try to tell me. I had a man come into my office within the first week of starting at my new job. And he just told me all the good stuff about the office. Made me pretty paranoid, actually. But men do it, too. And we need to steer clear of that. We need to try to speak positively about other people. And 
speak up for other people who are not there. Just don't engage in that type of conversation. It just results in harm. It might be, maybe it feels good temporarily to fit in or have the attention of everybody. But in the end, you're going to regret that and it's going to create a bad working environment. Because if they're gossiping about people who aren't there, who do you think they're gossiping when you're not there? They're gossiping about you. Okay, so I've literally been told, Nicole, it's okay to gossip. It's not. It's actually biblically not okay to gossip. Um, I would have to Google the verse, but I definitely know it's in there. So what I've started doing is I awkwardly changed the subject. I've also been known to do this at attorney events, so I've kind of gotten good at the awkward change of subject. If you can be good at that. Lawyers are super annoying. I am one. I'm around them all the time. They don't know how to have a normal conversation. So I just like, well, out of the blue say, hey, so do you have a dog? I have a dog. I love my dog. I talk about my dog way too much. And hopefully they do have a dog. If not, I might inquire about, hey, do you have a cat? If they don't, then I start to wonder what's wrong with them. It kind of goes on a scale of dog people, dog cat people, cat people, no animal people. You really can't trust those people. There's something wrong with them. Cat people, like, they're sly and they might be, like, antisocial a little bit. But I like cats. I'm a dog cat person. I don't know if I'll ever have a cat. Maybe. I think my dog might try to eat the cat. Definitely he'd try to hurt him. Herd, as an H-E-R-D. He's a border collie. As I said, I talk too much about my dog. Okay, so come up with some change of subjects. I mean, if you know that when you get together with a group for lunch that they tend to gossip, just come up with a list of things that you can change the topic about. All right, so here's what we got to do, you guys. We have to invest in other women. We can't do it alone, and we can't expect that other women are going to know we care about them. My dog is currently squeaking in the background. I'm pretty sure he wants to eat. I need to stop for one moment. As I was saying before, Caffrey started squeaking like the little squeaker that he is. He does it a lot. It's it's really embarrassing in the elevator, actually. And when the elevator is coming, he like squeaks to the noise of it coming. Okay, back on topic. <laughs> I'm just going to laugh to myself in my lonely little room. Okay, so we need to invest in other women. You need to be confident enough in your own accomplishments that you can celebrate those of others. Just because one woman is succeeding doesn't mean that other women cannot succeed. There's more room at the table. I mean, I think Sheryl Sandberg says it perfectly in Lean In. You just got to sit at the table and you got to get other women to sit at the table with you. There's clearly enough room for all the men, so why don't we just move them aside? We really just have to remember that we're all distinctly made. There's no point in comparing I feel like this is a little cliche to almost even touch on, but be super aware of what kind of shows you're watching and what social media makes you dissatisfied. For example, I love the show Suits. However, oh, I should probably say Suits is about attorneys. Now, however, the women in that show wear dresses that are ridiculous. 
If you walked into my office wearing that tight, short, skimpy dress, you might look awesome, but you're getting no respect and you're probably being told to go change. I have to be careful about watching Suits and Gossip Girl. Sorry, it's true. It's a guilty obsession. I've watched all seasons. I know that those will make me want to look different and dress differently. So instead, here's what you got to do. You have to focus on your own personal growth. And what does that mean? Well, it means reading great books like Valerie Burton's Happy Women Live Better. Great book. Um, You should listen to podcasts. Christy Wright's Business Boutique. Obsessed. Absolutely love her. You need to surround yourself by people who build you up and don't tear you down who will speak positively in your life. You really have to be aware of whether you're hanging out with people who spend a lot of time comparing themselves. It will rub off on you. And finally, here's what I've learned to building confidence. Let me just say that it's taken a lot for me to build confidence because when I was younger, I used to spend a year being babysat by my best friend's mom. I didn't talk to her for an entire year. That's the level of shyness I had. And I had to get over it. And I did. I mean, it still pops up here and there. But what I did to get over it is I put myself in uncomfortable positions. And I didn't die from it. And I didn't just melt out of embarrassment. It was uncomfortable. And... Oftentimes, I was glad it was over with, but those experiences have really shown me that I can do so much more than I believe. So one of those experiences was trial advocacy. I had to apply for it because I was a second year, and they were letting the third years have first dibs. Trial advocacy is all about presentation. You are putting on a mock trial and you have to public speak the entire week. At the beginning of the week, I could barely get it out. I was so nervous to be there, and I just thought, I'm surrounded by these super smart people, and what am I doing here? By the end of the week, my teacher was like, so which one is the real you, the beginning of the week, Nicole, or the end of the week, Nicole? Well, both are. The beginning of the week, Nicole, needed to learn that she could be just as great as other people, that I had the confidence in me. I could actually do these things, and I was good at it. Like, I love public speaking, but it was uncomfortable. And now, I mean, the thought of getting up in front of people is awesome, but I've had to repeatedly put myself in those situations, and that has given me confidence in myself. And if you think that you're the only one who suffers from this, For the record, the person who's talking to you right now graduated in the top 3% of her law school class. When I left law school, I still wondered how I had made it through. Who was I to be this person who was going to work for a federal judge? And last year, my law firm, some of those people really made me wonder if I had just fooled everyone for so many years. You're always having to work on your confidence. Confidence in who you are, confidence in the fact that 
your creator loved you so much that he made you. And that is why we shouldn't be comparing ourselves to other women. All right, guys. So I realize it's my first podcast, so this might seem weird that I have a listener question. I kind of and kind of don't have a question from a listener. So this is from Emily in Wisconsin. Emily actually texted me, I guess it was last week now, and she had a question for me. And I texted with her a bit, and then when I was getting ready for this podcast, I thought, what a great thing. I bet she's not the only one who's thought about that. So here's her question. A while back, you wrote a blog about quitting. FYI, when I saw that, I was like, oh no, where are we going with this? She continues, well, I took that advice. Uh Uh-oh. As my nephew would say, "Uh uh-oh. And I am changing jobs, but the guilt for leaving is hard. Any advice on not feeling guilty for wanting a better job? That's a great question, Emily. I've struggled with that myself. I would say that when I left my first job, I felt like they couldn't handle it without me. And my employer certainly put on that manipulation, which is super unhealthy. So my first question for you is this. Is it your employer who is making you feel guilty by saying things or doing things to imply that you're doing something wrong? Or is it you projecting it? So if it's the first and it's your employer, honestly... You're going to feel guilty as you leave. You're going to feel guilty for months, probably. But guess what? They're so in the wrong for doing that. I have gone through that, and all I can say is it's going to take time. In fact, you might want to go and talk to a therapist about it, which is something I did. Okay, so is it you who is actually just feeling guilty, but your employer is in fact happy for you, or honestly, maybe just kind of indifferent. Okay, well, here's a little background I got from Emily too. So her employer had cancer. And so that just added to it. And she was feeling really bad about leaving at this time. Okay, Emily, here's what you got to remember. Your work is business. Your personal life, it's personal. Okay, that sounded redundant. But here's the point. You can continue to invest in your employer's life, that employer who has cancer, even if you can't be at that job anymore. When you work for someone, you're expected to grow. And eventually you're going to grow out of that position and it's healthy to move on because staying there will cause you to resent them. But even as you move on and you grow, you can still maintain contact and I highly recommend that you do. I'm in contact with most of my former employers and it's been really great to see them. Like even if it wasn't the best environment for me, it wasn't the right fit, I just grew out of the position, that's fine. That's business. But personally, I like a lot of them. All right. And here's the hard truth. They functioned without you before, whether it was badly functioned or, you know, whatever, they functioned without you. And they will again, especially if you help make the transition smooth. And that is a great way to leave an employer is to do all you can to set them up for success. But when you make that decision, you've made that decision. It's time to go. And side note, if they try to get you to stay, if they have the money or something, don't take that. 
because guess what? If there's ever cuts, you'll be the first one to go. All right, on that note, here is the verse of the day. It's 1 Peter 4.10. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So this week, here's a challenge. Be aware of the words that are coming out of your mouth. If you are in a tense situation, if you're around people that tend to gossip, give yourself three seconds before responding. You know, just stop, count in your head, and think about what's coming out of your mouth. And while you're at it, think about what's going into your ears as well. So I'm signing off today of my first podcast. I'm so happy that you join me. I hope that you'll leave a review and share with other people. Caffrey and I are going to go get some dinner now. I think he's going to be really happy. He's going to be laying on my seat. I get the hang of this.